Carl thinks that Gary's hot for Dippy. No way. It's true. Well, how do you know this? Don't encourage him. I saw an intimate physical interaction between Dippy and Gary. What, through the fence? Well, I heard the spar jets, so I just... instinct. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's, hole at the waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbours. CJK and Bayer. Let's get the Neighbours. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast and we overanalyze episodes of the Aussie soap Neighbours because it's a great time. We are in Melbourne's Pirate Net Studios. I am Vaya, a TV writer who cannot suspend disbelief. CJ, the hot mess mum is here. Catherine Jones. Hello. K2 live tweets Neighbours every night at Remude. Hi, everybody. And oh, one of the most special guests. I'd say the PirateNet Studios has ever seen. It's someone from the inner sanctum of Neighbours. It's someone who writes actual episodes of the show, a TV writer, but not the way I write TV, a TV drama writer, Elizabeth Packett. Liz, hello. Hello. So lovely to be here. Well, I mean, we'll have so many questions, but you first contacted us to tell us the story of how you invented Toadfish and stonefish. Yes, that's correct. I mentioned that to someone yesterday and he said, does she know she's how, what an impact she had on Australian culture? Well, I, look, I do get excited when I see Toadie popping up on random things like T-shirts and Uber Eats ads and <laughs> things like that. I'm going, oh, you know, I, I have had a hand in yeah creating Australian culture. It's probably my greatest contribution, I think. <laughs> I think um, when I tell people I'm on a neighbour's podcast, people say, oh, Really? And then they say, is Toadie on? Yeah. That's, that's it's always right. an next yeah. Liz, do you want to step us through again the story of the genesis of the fish family? Yes. Okay. So stonefish actually came before toadfish. Initially, stonefish was a very small character. We just wanted like a, you know, classic Erin's Baha'i bully, you oh. know, and usually called Macca or, you know, Dicko or something <laughs> like that. And I was just given the job. I was writing that storyline. I just thought, oh, the high school I went to, we had a very creative guy in our year who created sort of a language for our year. We had terms for everything that only we used. And that was one of the words he used was stonefish to refer to someone who was really, really ugly. So, um, yeah, so if you got called a horrid stonefish, that means you weren't looking that good. So quite harsh. But anyway, when I came to write this little character note, I just thought, yeah, tapped into my high school experience and called him stonefish. And then he went on to be a bit, you know, a bigger character. And then when the younger brother was brought in, we thought, well, we need another ugly fish name. <laughs> so we went Toadfish. And that's sort of how it started. And then when other different characters uh, joined in from that family, we just started to give them fish names, not necessarily ugly ones, but that's sort of how it started. Well, we had a question on the Neighbours Council a couple of weeks ago about what is Angie's fish name? Oh, that's a good question. Because um, it was Auntie Coral. Oh, that was that was Coral uh, Reeves, Gem, Gemfish, and yes. Tadpole's mum. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, someone suggested an angelfish. That's me. I suggested that. Right. Oh, <laughs> I, I, good suggestion. I thought maybe she's the angler. Oh, 
Because she might be one of those family members that's just like, I'm not playing this game. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Or maybe it, I, you know, or maybe because she married into it. Mm. Maybe she didn't get one because she married in. You have so, to be born, perhaps. Because Sonia didn't get one. No. RIP. So I'm, I'm thinking that maybe that might be the case. I can't, couldn't be 100% certain on that. Well, maybe there's still time for them to work in the history of why she doesn't have a fish name. <laughs> Shall we do a bit of Neighbours Council business and then we can come back with more? grilling <laughs> of how it all comes together. The business again. Firstly, I gotta say thank you to Steph who joined our Patreon, patreon.com slash neighbourspod. Not Scully, different Steph. Okay. And still good to have you on board, yeah. Steph. Hope you're doing better than the other Steph. Yeah. And although I think the other Steph's come good. She still manages a business remotely from Sydney. Yeah, she's living the laptop lifestyle. Yeah. And I have uploaded the Frozen podcast now. I said I would last week and I lied. But the Buddy Watch Frozen episode is online now. If you are one of our patrons at any level, Dr. Carl or above, it's for your listening pleasure. And last week I said we hadn't thought of anything to do to celebrate the 35th anniversary and because I can't live that like that, yeah. I've since had an idea of how we can celebrate the 35th anniversary. Oh, what you're telling us live on air. Yeah, no, I did tell you. Oh, you did? Okay, I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> we just haven't organised how we're going to do it yet. Yep. But we're going to roll out some additional episodes. Oh, oh yes. Of course, yes. yes. Yep. So we'll figure out how we're going to do that and they're coming. They're coming at you. Oh, and if you want to ever email us like Liz did and tell us if you ever invented a neighbour's character, neighbourspod at gmail.com. <laughs> it's always available. My other question is... In the last couple of years, or maybe even since the dawn of time, because how old you, how old were you when you started at Neighbours? So I was just shortly after my 21st birthday. Wow. So I was in 1993. Wow. I got my first job as a storyliner and I've been working it on and off, either as a freelance writer in-house, yeah, for nearly 27 years, oh, so wow. a long time. So I was there for, yeah, not only the start of Toadie and uh, that, but I was there for the uh, inception of the Kennedy family. No. So I wrote the original character note for Libby Kennedy. Did you? Yes. So You didn't name her after yourself? Uh, no. Because <laughs> uh, Bill Searle, who was our script producer at the time, he uh, came up with the concept for the Kennedy family and he had the idea that Carl was the son of a, a, a mad communist. So yes. he was named after Karl Marx. And then in response to that, Carl named his children Malcolm after Malcolm Fraser, Elizabeth after the Queen, <laughs> and William Billy after Sir William McMahon. So amazing! I feel like the Karl Marx thing didn't come out for a few years that's, as well. Yeah, like that's when, right. when he turned up and he wasn't. Yeah, that's was, right. And when you say the character note, that is, does that go into like the writer's bible? That whenever someone else goes to write a script, they refer back to the character note. Is that how that all works? Yeah. So when yeah, a character is conceived, someone the job of writing the character note and then that will just be put into the scene breakdown which gets issued to all the freelance writers and even when uh the character is a reoccurring those character notes will still go into the scene breakdown so everyone can still refer and then when things happen i, I think i had to update the uh d bliss uh oh, no. <laughs> far out there's <laughs> right <laughs> character note oh, that might have been her or andrew i can't remember who it was one of them must be like a phone book though yeah that <laughs> a couple of pages long, yeah, did, and did you, adding to it. Did you get confused with that storyline at, at any stage? Because it, as a viewer, there was bits where I'm like, uh, is it the double bluff now? I don't know. I've, I've lost trust. Well, initially, I mean, I felt like some of the viewers, because I wasn't around in the story room for that, and I really wanted the when 
Andrea first appeared. I really did want that to be actual D, but obviously they've just got far more mileage out of it by having oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. Um, oh yeah, big, it went on story. for like two years. Yeah. yeah, and and I think I said to the script producer at the time, the thing when the, you finally got D and Andrea in the same room, I'm going, oh, it was worth it for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> worth it to wait for that. <laughs> that was see. next level. That was next level. <laughs> it was amazing. When when a soap about who's going to change the light bulb can suddenly put two doppelgangers in front of you and being pushed off a cliff. Yeah, and you're still yeah. absorbing it like nothing's different. It's quite a feat. Um, now, you started talking about the story room breakdown and everything. Before I get to that, I wanted to ask, even even just the last few years, which big storylines did you have an episode to write? Yeah, I often seem to get the like the after aftermath episodes. <laughs> I did – I think I wrote the Ellie and Mark wedding and then the break the breakdown of Ellie of uh, you know, I slept with your sister. That was cliffhanger. So that's probably brilliant. the biggest that's probably the biggest one that comes to mind, but it sounds terrible, but often once I've written them I'm sort of going, Oh, they kind of disappear from yeah. my mind a bit. Which is probably a bad thing to admit. But Well you've got to fit a lot in there. Yeah, that's right. I love that wedding because it was such a believable wedding. I just oh. felt like that's a wedding I've been to. Well, yeah. I mean, aside from the aftermath. Yeah. But like it was like it seemed like it was a very beautiful wedding for a very like very beautiful couple mm. and then yeah, suddenly all went to shit. Well, but sorry, that was, was also I just remember when I did see that on air though. I remember cuz obviously production got excited cuz beautiful people, beautiful dresses. Mm. And I do remember there was a lot cut out of that episode to make room for the um oh, the Albert Park Lake shot. Yeah, for all <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that going, oh, they cut that whole scene. Why? Oh, because, yes, we needed yeah. more shots of walking down the aisle. And, and twirling and <laughs> yeah, people looking fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So if you did Aftermath, were you responsible for Ghost Doug? I oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I feel we could do with a few more ghosts. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, Jim Robinson in a bauble. Yep, that was yeah, great. It was. That, that was inspired. And that's just classic um, Jason Herbison, our executive producer, who obviously started as a writer. But, yeah, he is Mr. Soap. He mm-hmm. just understands and loves the genre so much. But that was a definite, very Jason Herbison mm-hmm. idea. Definitely Jason. So you started as a storyliner and now you're a freelancer and you often work from home. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been yes. in-house on and off too many times. I'm like Dame <laughs> Nellie Melba in there. It's like So every time I leave, no one's like really says goodbye anymore because they know it's only a matter of time before I <laughs> slither in there again. So... So what do you do as a storyliner when you first started? So, and they've done, over the years, they've done various uh, ways of running it, but basically, and they've gone back to this system now, is there's a story editor and usually there's a storyliner. When I started, there were three storyliners and we basically... That does not seem like enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. You're right. It's not enough. And we would just sit around for that week. Uh, Back then, we were only plotting five episodes. Obviously, that changed when it shifted to 11, became six. Um, <laughs> Again, yeah, that, that seems was, like too many. <laughs> that was too many and that was a massive shift, but amazingly we've done it. Yeah, so there would be three storylines, a story editor. We'd map out the week because you'd have to, each actor's only allowed in a certain number of episodes and you work with a story fall. You'd work out, say, your cliffhangers where you thought the big moments were and then you'd place everyone in and then we would just go through and talk about each episode, talk it out scene by scene, and that document would be written up into a scene breakdown, which would be distributed to freelance writers who would then write a script from from those. Would you ever, like, get into, like, a big argument with someone, like, I want it this way and then the other person wants it another way? A respectful argument. A respectful you? argument. 
Yet, not that I could really recall. I think because you're just trying to get so much material out. And I always found that there would be a general consensus in the room of when the right idea was hit upon. So Mm. sometimes there would be, what about that? And you'd go, nah, what about this? And would build, but there would always be a general consensus. I don't, I honestly can't remember Mm. too many occasions where there was like big fights about how something should go, not really. I often think about, because I'm a marketer, so I, I see a tagline somewhere and I think, oh, gosh, there must have been high fives in the office when someone came up with that. <laughs> Do you remember any particular like high five moment of when suddenly magic was found in a storyline or... Kyle's going to look into an eclipse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much that. Like, I mean, to be honest, the main thing in the story room, there is a lot of people sharing personal stories of oh. their life. There mm-hmm. is a lot of people going, oh, I remember this or I read something or this happened to me or this happened to a friend of mine. There is a lot of that. It's cheap psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of laughter and there's a lot of talking about the stories we'd like to be doing but couldn't be doing. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah. Up late. <laughs> up late. A lot of up late chat. <laughs> yeah. it's, it can get quite filthy oh, <laughs> in the good. story room. Have yeah. you guys worked out what's in the blue box? <laughs> no, that's up to people's imaginations, but that's something else I invented was the oh, blue box. Oh, that's my other claim to fame. You did not. <laughs> Mother so, of the blue box. That was originally called the naughty box, so but it got changed to the blue box. So. And how did you pop your hand up and go, here's what we can do? Or did you slip that in as a writer? Uh, no, what what happened One in one incarnation of the show, which might have been early 2000s or mid-2000s, whenever Rebecca was on. You know, I oh, sort yeah, of remember, yeah. you know, areas by who was on it. The script producers at that time, on the Friday, everyone had to just come up with a few stories for the next week and you'd have to come in and just pitch three stories. And that was one of my just random off-the-cuff ones. It, why, why do they keep coming back together? Turns out they're both pervs. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, so it was just, yeah, there was a box containing something and I think it got into Rebecca's hands and it was just meant to be a little one-off, off-the-cuff, silly, fill-in-C storyline thing. But I love that it's it's kept coming back and had a, it's got a bit of a life of its own now. It's become like Mary Poppins's suitcase now. Yeah, that's Anything can come out of there. But so back then it was just any, not innocent, but like a, just a playful yeah, Carl well, and Susan's box under the in, bed. In my mind, I just thought there was some saucy photographs of one another. That's oh. what I always thought was in there. And the neighbours turned it to filth. <laughs> into <laughs> rattling cat toys. <laughs> and cosplay. Oh, yeah, Everything. The, the, the dirty nurse outfit. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow, what an evolution that's had. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the fish names or the blue box is really the kicker for me, but they're but, both pretty good. Yeah, but the nice thing is it's such a collaborative thing, and and you throw something in there, and I love it that these things can take on yeah. a life of its own, and other people, you know, other writers take the ball and run with it. It's really nice to see that that evolve. So our our favourite sea storyline, which is we've used to name all the sea storylines, is the ceramic pig. Oh. Do you remember the ceramic pig? Indeed, I do. I mean, I've got to say, I mean, obviously in soap, there are all those big stories, obviously the deaths and the weddings, and that's what, you know, the huge stories. But for me, I am, the favourite thing I love to write is the ceramic pig type stories. (laughs) I actually enjoy them the most because you can get to be, you can have a lot of humour and and have fun. So, yeah, a lot of my favourite stories are the small, ridiculous ones. Last last week, Vera and I loved um, Carl trying to put a bayonet light bulb into a screw top and I was just like oh this is what I'm here for exactly (laughs) and obviously that's not going to make the promo no that's that's right and yeah you're not going to get that in tv week and um but yeah same thing I remember there was a story years ago that I really liked to 
I think that everyone on the street had a dog at one point. A lot of people had a pet dog and there was a dog that was crapping on Carl's nature strip. <laughs> and he, you know, had a stake out to see which dog <laughs> in the neighbourhood it was that was doing it, you know, and it, it turned out to be his dog. You oh, know, but little, me, little Audrey. Why, yeah, it was Audrey. This is why we need more ethnic characters because that is right out of something like one of my uncles would do, just sit out on the lawn putting meat out to catch the dog. <laughs> but it's those small – I think a boss of mine used to call the minutiae of suburban life. That's that's what I'm all about with Neighbours and I think it's the heart and soul of Neighbours amongst all the big, big dramatic stuff. So at the other end of the spectrum, now you sit at home and you wait to receive – is it a scene breakdown? Yes, yes. So, yes. And in the online community, a lot of people always – their go-to line is, I can't believe the writers did this. And often that it's not always the episode writer that's decided these big beats. Never. <laughs> well, in, in, there's a meme, actually, in one of the Facebook groups about the writer's room. Do yes, you, I you love that, that. The opium den. I yes. love that when that pops up. I'm always <laughs> – always have a little chuckle. I'm going, that's is right. It, yeah, so it is actually an accurate <laughs> portrayal of work. No, well, not, not, not to that extreme, but I mean, the other thing is you've got to keep in mind is that, well, especially now, they're plotting six episodes in two days. And to put that in some perspective, uh, I was working on a sitcom last year and we had two days to plot one. And I can't the, do six of anything in two days. No, that's right. <laughs> so the amount of material that gets churned out is phenomenal. So I have to say, when I see the meme, it's more people just going, oh, this is hilarious, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing is, for Neighbours fans, we just, we love it so much. It's been part of our lives for so long that, yeah, we just like having a bit of a laugh about oh, it. And look, we, look, mm. the writers actually, we have a very similar attitude. Mm. So uh, I know at one stage when I was working in there, um, we would get all the rough edits you know so before they put all the bells and whistles but we'd sit around at lunchtime and that was our fun thing we'd go and get our takeaway sandwiches or whatever and they're going tapes and everyone would all trot in and the writers would sit around and we'd watch the episodes and a lot of it would be doing exactly what you guys are doing (laughs) of just like going oh look at that weird extra or ha ha and sort of paying out our own stories Mm. but also we would be I remember we would get really moved and cry about things and you know and we rewind funny scenes and watch them so we would watch our own work in that same way that the viewers are watching it with that what I wouldn't what I wouldn't pay to hear that podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's pretty funny (laughs) um so Liz you get the scene breakdown does it arrive just in your email yes so um you're allocated uh, you're writing episode 8072 <laughs> or whatever it might be. Yeah, so you just get an email. And obviously you get the scene breakdown sent to you every week that you have to read even when you're not writing. So you're so on you top of continuity. What, yeah, what's come before and what's coming after. That's exactly right. So you read Neighbours Like a Book? Yes. And actually you can often tell, I find anyway, just from reading a scene breakdown, because you just read so many of them, you can tell the stories already that you're going to love. And it's true, they translate on screen. It's there on the page right from the start of like going – Oh, this is this is funny. This is zipping along. This has got a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. It, you can tell it right from that that well, point. Often, when we're choosing which episode to deep dive, I read the synopses to choose ahead of time, and I know straight away from the synopsis it's yes. got to be this one. Yes. Usually, nine times out of ten, it's like, "Yep, that's the one we're talking about." <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We found for a while last year it was always Tuesday's episode. Is that like a key in the writer's room that you try to build to a bigger drama on a Tuesday? Uh, there is. It's tricky now because when you were plotting five, it was easy because you were plotting the mm. first one was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But now you're doing six, so it'll go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And now 
so you've always it's hard to remember but often yeah you do try and have a good cliffhanger on a monday night because you're trying to hook people in for the for the week so quite oh. often you might get good stuff mm. on a tuesday and friday we're going oh that's everyone's out yeah. at the pub yeah. late night shopping or whatever we can get away with a bit of a softer call it a softer cliffhanger fridays <laughs> fridays what prompts the opium den man that's exactly <laughs> pretty much and the same when you're plotting sometimes you just get a bit knackered and we used to have a bit of a joke. It was called a Lou chokes on a peanut cliffhanger. So oh, no. like, <laughs> Lou chokes, and then in the next episode, he's fine. It's just kind of going. Oh, we're struggling to think of something <laughs> for that one. So, do you have characters that you feel a special affection for? Oh, absolutely. You've got your favourites that you enjoy enjoy writing and over, and that sort of changed over the over the years. But look, definitely always, always Carl and Susan banter because you know Jackie and Alan are so great. They'll just take the board and run with it, and it's always wonderful. Always loved Toadie, but especially young Toadie when he was, he was a bit of a shitbag. When he was a shitbag, <laughs> and um, you know, and he was bad influence on Billy, and and then all the Rebecca's. Like I did love writing Ange, Angie in particular. Always loved writing oh, Angie. Rebecca. Must have been nice to see Yashvi come in and almost take a bit of that uh, tear away kid characteristic and bond with Toadie over that. Yeah, well, initially, and I don't think this is speaking out of. Turn, but um, Yashi was originally written as a male character. Oh. We wanted to be a, a teenage boy for the, exactly that thing of a junior junior toady. Um, but when it came to casting, they just couldn't find anyone who was quite quite right. And so, but they found a female who was great. So that's Yashi came out of that. Fantastic. What do you have to draft from the scene breakdown? Okay, so scene breakdown, it'll have like scene one, Ramsey Street whoever character is in it, and then a description of sort of a paragraph of what happens. So then the writer's job is just to flesh that out into the action and the dialogue, and you're given two weeks to do that. And then you just email it in, and that's the last you see of it. Then it's over to the script editors. Email it off, money in the bank. And then it comes (laughs) back to you? No, that's it. So, oh, because I worked on a drama where the writer then gets second, third, yes, and then course. the head writer does like the final polish. And, and this is what I'm saying too. The only difference between, say, a serial and other dramas is time and money. So yeah. again, like to use the example of the sitcom I was working on, we had several brainstorming weeks leading up to that that plot to get the story right. Two days of plotting, and then again on top of that, there would be two or three drafts and a polish and. So it's just it goes through the the mill a few more times, but where neighbours, it's it's churn it through, write wow. it, yeah, get it right the first time, yeah, and, and quite often it's it's not right in the script orders. Things have to be changed at the last minute, and so mm. would someone in house take it to a second draft, or would they just do amendments? From, yeah, yeah. So once all the scripts come in, there would be a meeting with the script producer and the script editor who will be editing that block. So they'll go through and we'll just see um, there might be continuity things, that things have happened, have changed and things that need to be done. Maybe sometimes if there's a new writer, maybe they haven't quite got characters' voices quite right or, yeah, so the the editor will go through and trim all that and make sure it's timed properly to fit within the commercial breaks and, yeah, just all those things that need to be done. So then uh, I think the editor gets maybe, again, two weeks or... Not quite, maybe a week. Two. And that's two weeks layered over storylining, editing other episodes, writing their own episode. Like That's right. Everything's going on at a different stage the whole time. So, yeah, it's quite a machine. Thinking of the, the meme, the woman with the maths equations, or that Kate, oh, yeah. Kate redid it with oh, Detective Brennan. Mechanic. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, well, we should – let's get stuck into our deep dive because then you can probably shed a bit more light into how some of it may have come to be. 
Do you also have to keep an eye on what's coming up? Like something's going to happen in six weeks from now, and but you're talking about what a character's doing in the moment. Yeah, so quite often what happens, and this can happen either when you're script editing or even when you're writing, you can get a you know a, a message from people in the story room saying, oh, we've just had a great idea about what we want to do or a story we want to do, but we need to plant something back. So quite often you might just have to go back to an episode and just slot something in just to set things up that, you know, people have had an idea with down the track. Like Coyle and Amy having sex at Lasseter's and then it turned out it was, they were being taped. Yeah. Or Toadie looking for a red folder. Ah, which ends yes. Up being... Yes, that, actually that's probably a very good example, <laughs> Toadie and the folder. <laughs> okay, well, let's deep dive into... Thursday, the 13th of Feb. This week it was a Thursday that caught our eye. Valentine's Day Eve. And I think instead of a love story, Neighbours hit us with a horror story. Because you've got Gazcan and Dippy in the sex tub. Oh, we, need, we need a warning here. <laughs> Gary canning nipples. It's confronting. It's confronting of an evening. Uh, and Australians watch typically at dinner time. So Fair put me off my dinner. <laughs> Now, Dippy was venting because she's caught sight of Puffy, Pufferfish. There's an addition to the fish family. And Roxy, having a bit of a touch of the hand, close he, conversation at the pub. Yeah, he touched her forearm, yeah. which is yeah, obviously foreplay. Yeah, and she has gone off at Gazcan and then he said, look, let's run a spa and cal- you can calm down. I mean, that's what a male friend who's <laughs> concerned about how things appear should never say. Yeah. Take your clothes off. <laughs> but we also know as soon as anyone gets in the spa, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to happen. Sex I mean, or death. <laughs> yeah, it's either the sex tub or the murder tub. Yeah. DP goes, all right, we'll continue our debrief in the spa. And then Gary's shocked. He's like, we? And it's like, it's not legally binding, Gaz. You don't have to get in there with it <laughs> if you're uncomfortable. But he hops in. He could, he could just go, oh, look, I've got a bit of eczema. Probably can't get in today. <laughs> from the pigeons, maybe. <laughs> yes. Or the plague. He's got the plague from the pigeons. Because Lasseter's junior was under the weather this week, one of his pigeons. There's a lot of pigeon sound effects this week. Dippy is so enraged, she just whips herself into a frenzy and then goes the pash on Gary Francis Xavier Canning. I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm just like, it was just... Oh, Shane got to be kissed by a really beautiful young woman and Dippy got to kiss old mate Gazcan. Mm. It's, I think Sharon was doing some of her hardest work to make that believable. Uh, it was a tall order. There's some big questions have been raised this week about Dippy's age mm. because she mentioned that she and Shane had been together for 20 years. She hasn't kissed anyone in 20 years, anyone no. else. But then you go, well, hang on, let's do the maths here. I thought Dippy was like in her early 30s. Is, is this why Puffy was in prison? <laughs> I think Sharon's... Mid-30s or early 30s. She's younger than us. Yeah, she's younger mm. than us. I think Dippy is our age-ish. Dippy is probably heading towards the 40 mark. All right, okay. So she was in her late teens. Or at least 20. I reckon if she hasn't kissed anyone else for 20 years, maybe she was 20 years old when she got together with Puffy. I don't know. Maybe Liz knows. Oh, look, the whole age thing is always a nebulous thing. Because actually most character notes would say the age or the age range. They, they do. They do. And then quite often the actor may not reflect that. Yeah. And um, Sharon herself has said that mm. she's playing older than she yeah, is. Like Paul, yes. Paul had a significant birthday in 2014 and he's also having a significant birthday now. So mm. it's, what was the 2014 one? Well, they, again, it was significant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes though, uh, and I genuinely can't remember, so I'm not speaking. Yeah. <laughs> there have been uh, actors or actresses where we've 
said they're a certain age on and they've objected to being <laughs> referred to mm. as that age. Oh, they... that's, I love that. That's classic thespian, isn't it? it Just... is. <laughs> I actually can't place, we should Google Damien Richardson, I actually can't place Gary's no, no. age. I think he's was born in about 1969, so he'd be about 50. Oh, right. Okay, nice. Well, he's due for a milestone mm. birthday. But these, thing, these things are discussed in the story room. Okay. At, at, at the inception, they're definitely sort of discussed. Yeah. And then trying to work out how Sheila could be Gary's mother and also Kyle's grandmother was that was that was a whole heap of thinking that that day <laughs> get the maths meme and then xanthi after yeah. as well mm. okay this is an aftermath episode because so dippy's gone the pash and gaz has immediately well, flipped out carl's peering over the fence isn't he yeah he's oh um, carl serial pest <laughs> yeah carl kennedy I think the thing is, though, yes, totally. If someone's going to win on who the hottest other was, definitely Shane wins. But Shane's jealous of Gazcan, mm. so it actually doesn't matter. It's all relative. And obviously, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, but it's mainly Gary's personality that I am offended by. It's nothing to. I know, re- but they share look- that love of cooking. <laughs> they do, and you know. Cooking and um, pigeons and musical theatre and, and making Shane upset. They're small business owners. Mm. But they became friends about something. Was it cooking? It was the cafe because um, the tram, one of their businesses was going under. because uh, the, Yeah, the cafe was going under, wasn't it? Because no one was shopping at the waterhole. Not... After the sex tapes. Yeah. So but bizarrely, I won't go to a cafe because somewhere up in the hotel up there, someone got taped having sex. Yeah. What do people do when they order coffee? Don't want to know what happens in those toilets. <laughs> <laughs> but Gary's reaction is like, what are you doing, Dippy? Like, oh, I was just having an innocent spa with my hot friend. <laughs> You've taken it to an inappropriate level. What the hell, Dip? Oh, I'm sorry. What a, just using me to get back to Shane? It's not like that. Well, that's what it felt like. I mean, I didn't get in here for that. I was just going to be a mate, one of the girls, not... For that. I mean, I'm glad it happened because something needed to end this arrangement, yeah. right? And yeah. this this is what's done it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what uh, Dippy was subconsciously thinking. Yeah, she was like, how am I going to get myself the, out of this? I'm going to have to kiss someone. This yeah. is the nu- nuclear option right here. Mm. And it can't be someone I'm tempted to leave my husband for. No. So he, here's what's available. How does Gary end up with so many hot women? Is it like he's... It's like Toadie. It's, like, it's true here. But Toadie's got a heart of gold. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he's, he's smart as well, Toadie. Yeah, no, what's lawyer. beaten inside Gary's chest sometimes? A meat pie. <laughs> Kangaroo or emu or something. <laughs> Actually, I went to a pub the other night and it was ruined wine night. Now every time I see Australiana on the menu, I think of Gary. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. He has that effect on women. Yeah. I did write that pie episode. Oh, did you? Ah. <laughs> responsible for the coming <laughs> over with the pies. Cl- not the one where he drunkenly stumbled into the opening of the tram. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. A cracker. Yeah. Oh, I'm just trying to mentally replay it in my head right now. But also when he came over with the fake pies with Pierce and Toadie. Oh, the I've had, I've had double go and get When they had um, parenthood chats, that was precious. <laughs> See, little moments like that, it's what brings us back. Mm-hmm. I do like Foodie Gary. I think it's a nice journey for him. Mm. It's just, it's, he's just, it's, he's an enigma. I, do, I will never understand him. And this is just another chapter well, in it, that. He is a sex god too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I think food and sex, well, really. He's also a bad guy. Yeah. He was in prison. He, had, he ran the Apple gang beat, for a bit. Beat people up. Yeah. For other people's yeah. money. 
Women often fall for the bad guy. And if he can cook and is good in mm. bed, I, I think that's ticking I mean, all the boxes. Tick, 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 tick. He li- lives in his mum's house with his yeah. pigeons. I mean, there's that, right? <laughs> Can't have everything. Oh, actually, Kate, you keep bringing something up. Mm. Oh, we'll get to that later. Gary makes a decision this episode because... He's been missing proof. Yeah, so Carl, Dr. Carl's been a peeping Tom, spying over the fence... And Liz, you enjoyed that image. I, you said. I did enjoy that because I think I always love it when people are popping over the fences on the show because mm. it sort of connects everything mm. together and so it's in the spirit of Mrs. Mangle. Exactly. Of, you know, it's classic, classic neighbour stuff. And I did enjoy Carl doing that a lot. It's just what people week. do on that street. Mm. And d- didn't you say he heard the spar jets? <laughs> He's like, right, I've got to get the binoculars out now. I might, might get some Sheila Norgs or something. <laughs> <laughs> What else does he do? Does he do that? He what does he witness between Sheila and Clive in that spa? Oh dear. And Piper and Xanthi used to have DMs in that spa. What's Carl doing? Serial sex pest. But he has connected all these dots incorrectly, because he didn't learn from last week. Colin De Kennedy just sings like a canary. And Gary's been talking about, you know, reconnecting with someone and but he's not sure how. Carl got the wrong end of the stick and then Gary reveals he wants to go to London and help get Prue out of the cult. Oh, see, this is where I feel you need to insert a bit of the saddest bitch in Aaron Zara because this is like, oh, come on, mate. She's just not that into you. She's into the cult. The saddest bitch in Aaron's bruh just wants to love and be loved in return. Just let it go. I just really want a webiso- the webisode series of Gary almost getting sucked into that cult. <laughs> getting to the point where he's got his membership card. I reckon there's a movie in that of just how like he's just haplessly destroying the cult by, by trying to get involved. Yeah. Like Homer Simpson style. Exactly, yeah. Um, but he's booked a flight. He's gotten to the Swift travel agent. I was reading... Um, Neighbours spoilers this week, and somebody posted, it's interesting how the people on Ramsey Street are able to afford last-minute flights overseas. I had to do it once when my grandmother passed away, and it cost $4,500 last minute to the US. But then Shona pipes in with, what really amazes me about soaps is how quickly they get over a broken relationship. Within weeks, they've moved on to someone new and are still friends with their exes. Personally, I like to fester with resentment until whichever one of us dies first. Yeah, but, you you know, this is the thing. This is always – and I think they've done Toadie's grieving really well or anyone doing that stuff. You've got to do that fine line between making it real but also you don't want to watch someone being miserable. No, no. Not, not extensively. So it's always good to send them away for a little while and mm. then when they come back they've done most of their grieving. It's actually quite impressive that Toadie hasn't had that um, crisis of going on a date yet or, like, having that Ugh. first – I know it'll be coming. It'll Ugh. be it'll be a brewing. Yeah. And I'm front seat for it. I'm excited about that too. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, in previous times, mm. it would have been like, all right. Got to get back on that yeah. horse. Two months later, get Toadie on yeah. Tinder. <laughs> no, Toadie would be being hit on by all the single mums at drop off. Yes. That's oh, yeah. That's what's going to be happening. <laughs> but, Kate, your point is that Gaz forking out $4,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. How about that prick pays back Amy for the money he borrowed from her for um, Zankan's medical school? Yeah, Trump University cost a bomb. Mm. Four and a half. Well, I'm just pulling figures out here. But that would, yeah, that would make a significant dent into that. I, out of sight, out of mind. He doesn't know that <laughs> money anymore. He's like, my daughter's <laughs> at school and the problem is over. Yeah, there's no Amy anymore. Plus, she dated my son after me. Yeah. Debt forgiven. <laughs> and this is why I don't like money stories. Oh. Personally. Someone's still there keeping ledger. (laughs) You need a a fictional accountant who's like, now remember, (laughs) 
<laughs> or if someone just, you know, it gets a little inheritance and all the debts yes. are paid just as a little mm. random aside in a scene. Everyone's... It's the deus ex machina, isn't it? Like with um, the payout from the, the sex tapes suddenly, yeah. you know, fixed a whole heap of problems for Coyle. That's right. I enjoy when it sort of happens in reverse, when like the homeowner, like um, Lauren in Queensland or Lynn Scully in Bendigo suddenly is like, I'm selling up, I need the, <laughs> I need to refinance, you're out of the house. <laughs> Drabs me on the pokies. Yeah. I love those ones where it's like, oh, that's right, you're not the landlord, you're renters. <laughs> it's real life. Is Kyle fired at the moment? Why is he, what's going on with his schedule? Kyle does what he likes, doesn't he? Shifts as required. <laughs> but, you know, like, drone hospitals sometimes have, like, you know, eight days on, then, like, 75 off. He's on one of them. He's on a deal like that. Uh, Liz, how do you guys keep track of what day of the week it is and where everyone's supposed to be logistically? Because I noticed on Friday Susan had to pop home and Finn said to her, are you going to get back to school in time? She goes, yeah, 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 I'll be back by the end of lunch. So that's a detail you've got to be aware yeah, of. Yeah, it is. And look, sometimes, so in the in the scene breakdown, it'll say, and we do do it on days of the week, one to seven sort of thing. And But you can have a weekend or it'll, at the start of each episode, it'll be like, you know, say it's day three or whatever. And there'll be a little reminder at the top of when you're writing. Day three is a work day or a school day or a school holiday day or a, that's, that's week, a weekend. But quite often, like, a day can run over three, four episodes. Sure can. Like, it can run, mm. run over a long time. And sometimes I'm always in two minds about that. Do you put in a, an excuse like, why aren't you at school and draw attention to it? Or do you mm. just forge on and, mm. you know, if people want to sit home and comment, why, is, why isn't Susan at school rather than explaining it? I don't know. I'm, I think that episode in particular, she was in a lot of scenes at the school. So I think it had, it had to, be to be pointed be out. Yeah. yeah, We all know that Erinsborough yeah. High isn't the greatest school in no. Australia. No. So that, look, it's pretty loose. Yeah. Like it lets its students go out to the shops for lunch. That's and, right. Yeah. That's right. And I'm, I mean, year 12 should be allowed to go yeah. out to the shops for lunch. And when I'm writing that, I am conscious of that, of just trying to make it seem a bit believable. Or you've, got, you've got a vague – they used to at one stage um, – in the scene breakdowns, they used to have like times of next to each scene and what that time of day they actually oh. thought it was. But sometimes you're there going, well, I think this is 10.30 in the morning, but it's happening. The next four scenes are also 10.30 in the morning oh. in different locations. Because <laughs> they've gone out for coffee, then they're going to have brunch, then they're going to have lunch, and then yep. they're going to have dinner. That yep. day that Roxy and... Prue and Harlow had like four meals in a day was that's... living my best life. Yeah, so. I mean, that's what I did on my birthday last week. <laughs> But also I know this script, you know, the continuity person who will sit at these meetings and bring these things up, but she's become quite good at She goes, does this matter or shall I pop yeah. it in the fuck it bucket? <laughs> oh, wow. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's a new term for us. I yeah. That's, yeah. That'd yeah. be a great self-help book. She should, she should pen that. <laughs> yeah. TM. <laughs> you know, so she'll bring up these things and we're going, actually, that one doesn't matter. But sometimes it really yeah. does matter. So it's it's you have to be judicious about it. When you're trying to work out who killed Tyler's dad, everybody's got to you know, be accounted for. That's very important. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're thinking, is this after school or are they on a spare? Who cares? We can we fuck can it, fill, fill that in. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck it bucket to you is us concocting our own scenarios of what's going on. <laughs> the fuck it bucket gives us room to fill it. <laughs> Um, also, early in the week, a bit of cheapskate Carl emerges because he is trying to organise dinner at the pub with his residents in, in the Kennedy clan. He's trying to figure out if Puffy's on shift because then they'll get their discount. 
<laughs> no, dude, I, you know my husband. Yeah. Our burger place we go to all the time. My husband gets a VIP discount because of that. And if we pay with Phil, we also mm. get the benefit. 25% of the- discount, mate. Yeah. It makes a difference to your cheesy gems. It does. But Carl's like, I'm feeding a family here. I'm like, mate, you are a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and half of these people are not your family. But also he does go on those last-minute flights to London yeah. every five minutes okay. as well. True. Also, he doesn't work any shifts. No. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's got to be. So who knows what his income is? He's got to be at, like, self-funded retiree stage pretty soon. It, yeah, it should be. I don't want him to retire, though, because all the hospital storylines, like, I need him there. Absolutely. It's an omni-doctor. So obviously then he leaks like a sieve in the pub too puffy to say – Look, I can't keep silent anymore. It's been 40 minutes and your wife smacked on with Gazcan, as I predicted. The jets were calling. <laughs> At this point, what might be on the script when they get back to the backyard and Puffy, there's this big stash. Puffy lays into Gaz, Dippy's screaming and crying and Gaz doesn't know what's going on. How might that be written? Um, usually it's sort of the golden sort of rule of writing scripts is you don't tell actors how to act or the directors how to direct. You just sort of suggest suggest things suggest emotions and all the rest of it um and i know with things like if there was a big big fight an actual brawl or something like that you often just leave that up to the director and the stunt people like they fight you would write <laughs> let them go from there do you find the actors take possession of their character in terms of like do they go no that's not how they behave uh, yes, they do do that. But also sometimes there can be actors who come and say, my character wouldn't do that when what they're really saying is, I don't personally want to do that. Yes. Because <laughs> I think that might reflect badly on me. Yeah. yeah. The brand. The, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. depends how wholeheartedly you are yeah. accepting the character. Like I can't imagine Paul doing that. He'd be no. like, all right, I'm up for it. No. Fine. We're doing fraud now. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, Stefan's yeah. going, oh, well, look, I don't know about this. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't leave a bride. <laughs> I wouldn't so, yeah. bully my general manager. And often those things aren't run by – if they're not massive things, they yeah. aren't run by the script department. It'll just be a discussion between the actor and the director. So Dippy, to start off with, she says, it's not what you think. I kissed him. Oh, yeah. It's not what you think. It's that's, much worse. That's, it's, yeah, it's a stab in the guts, that one. And, and Puffy's like, well, that's punishment enough, love. Yeah. Shane originally comes down to have a go at Gary. I, I felt there was a, a there was a shift in the s- scene where Shane and Gazcan sort of were on the same side. They were like, "We've been used by this woman." <laughs> well, which I, I, just quite wanted to, I just wanted to have a spa. I just I just like hot water. Um, hang out near me pigeons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on Friday, what happens is that C. Stradamus, you were correct. Was I? Last podcast, you said all Puffy has to do is pop on his. His hat, his stockman's hat. Oh, he's a Cobra. Oh, God. And get some bush poetry going, and that's exactly what he did. Now, of course, as per usual when we're recording the podcast, I haven't seen Friday. Yeah. Um, I was out having burgers with Kate and her family. For Valentine's Day. Yeah. For Valentine's Day. But did he do it in the middle of the street? No, at the pavilion. Pavilion. Yeah, was yes, a, I was going to say not the murder rotunda, but it was where they've they've had formals and weddings. Oh. It was actually a really lovely shot. All the greenery was in the background, and Puffy had laid out all the props in front of them. Oh, I took a photo of because it, it had the it had the playbill for Dippy's play from Burke. The first where they first met. Mm. And then he said, "When we're going to be together to wear a hundred, I'm like, oh man, imagine not pashing anyone else for another sixty years. Jesus, how grim." And it was called Bye Bye Burke. <laughs> That, okay, that is great. Is that 
Liz, would that be art department just having some fun there? Um, it, it could be a number of things because quite often the art department, before they do something like that, like we say we want a poster and then they'll come back to us going, well, what's it called, you know? <laughs> yeah. And someone usually, yeah script coordinator or something has a little job of writing the copy for the art department project. That was one of my favourite I was a script coordinator and one of my favourite things to do is just label things that no one will ever care about. Yeah like say like notes or you know if people leave behind notes or something so yeah someone's got to write that. And... Or the street the um, pavement graffiti the yeah. dri- driveway graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> Years All ago I went on a tour of the set and I got to visit Susan's office when she was the editor of the paper and I was looking at the desk and I'm like holy crap Every bit of paper on this, like, messy desk is actually plausibly Susan Kennedy's. Mm. There was no kind of filler stuff in there. Oh. No so that was a while ago then. If the West Waratah Star or the Erin's yes. News, it would have been. Yeah. So anyway, they've made up and it's just a bleak looking future for them. I reckon I can see another child in their future. Change of life baby for Dippy. Why don't you just go get one of the ones in Sydney that you don't see? No, they've, they've moved on. They're old. They're not interesting anymore. <laughs> I would actually like to see a baby join the street and then age up like the, like yeah. Nellie has. Well, I think Hugo's going down that path. Yeah, most people have a baby out the door. Yeah, yeah as we know, it's going to happen very mm. soon. Yeah. Ding, ding. Tickets, please. <laughs> I'm Gary and I've got tickets on myself. I'm the chef at the 82 Tram Cafe. Erinsborough, inviting you to come and have a gander. Pack in like it's peak hour, enjoy some native tucker and pie form, and uh, drink out of jars that Dr. Carl saved from his pasta sauce. Need to book a function? Throw a surprise wedding for your bride-to-be in a tram. We might even serve desserts with fresh cacao. Don't worry, we've given the joint a once-over since I trashed it, so stumble aboard and stuff your gob full of roadkill. The 82. We put the ding in dingus. Let's shift for a minute. We mentioned the Kennedys... B has she doesn't have much to do lately, old B, but she's picked up the phone because Millsy's unearthed his daddy issues. B's like, well, I don't have much to do at the garage. I'm gonna call his old man, Trent. Trent Kelly. And I was like, is he going to be from um, the Flying Doctors? Or is he going to be from, you know, a country practice or something? And no, I'd, I'd never seen him before. I think he's a, th- a theatre actor. Ah. Treads the boards. And he's a silver fox and very plausibly cast as Papa Millsy. I think they looked very similar. Mm. B's got him to come down. Wow. This was... He's hot mess dad. Oh, Wow. Wow. Um, so we've got to remember, Finn was being held hostage in Colombia by, for some reason or another, he was only 19. Yeah, he was travelling and then he got kidnapped. Liz is laughing. This is your job. Made this happen. <laughs> no, it's always funny when, uh, and I remember this in directors' <laughs> meetings too, if there was a new director and they would be reading the scripts and ask a question. So what, what you know, blah, blah. And you'd hear these, you know, these long... <laughs> Ridiculous stories, but <laughs> try, try and explain well, that, the D storyline to yeah. people, non-neighbours. People are like, "That's what? that's right." Yeah. No, you've got to be in it and, yeah. and know it because that's why I'm laughing because yeah. I just always enjoy the long, yeah, yeah the long-winded explanations. That's right. And week by week, incrementally, yeah. it's fine. But when you've got to, you know, yeah. express it on mass, it's <laughs> um, gloriously ridiculous. Does that matter? Does it anyone? Is it just unspoken, or do people in the story room ever go isn't it weird that he survived that building collapse and now he's survived this car crash and now he's gonna you know be mugged and of course but it's the glory of it and you sort of you know it's ridiculous but you love it and it's it's in that sort of space you know ramsey street itself is very well maintained for a street that has probably the highest turnover of tenants of any street in australia and crime yes so silver fox trent has his 
reunion with Millsy. But before he does that, he sits down with Ellie and B, Conway so, sisters. Yeah, so he crowdsourced a, um, a ransom. The, look, the Australian government has a lot to answer for yeah. Finn being held hostage it's and then them, them not actually extracting no him from one, this situation. No one helping. Firstly, okay, we blame the mother. We blame... Claudia, she did um, The Good Son and she had to pick the favourite son. Also, we're under the assumption she has a lot of money. Mm. So she actually went, okay, I'm going to get Sean back and I'm going to go skiing. Oh, no, actually skiing because he died doing that. Um, I'm going to get Sean back and then holiday in Italy next year. (laughs) No Millsy. I don't want him back. She's like, I've I've gone to the accountant and that's what we're doing. Trent, this is... God, this is one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. So Claudia has left her son in Colombia with the kidnappers and poor old Trent, he's he's having a rough trot. He's the gas can of his era. Yeah, he's uh, all the Sonia. He's off the wagon. He's whatever substance abuse issues he's got, alcohol mainly, but he gets himself, he sells some of Finn's things. She's very resourceful. What's a 19-year-old oh, gaming, gaming yeah. systems? Oh, Dad, I liked playing the Game Boy. <laughs> a Mazda 121. Yeah. Okay. Car, gaming system, stereo. Got a refund on the Rego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sold all so that. going to be needing that. So he's got to make enough money to get himself to Colombia and offer some kind of ransom to these kidnappers. So it's quite incredible what he's achieved so far. But then he gets to Colombia and he goes to the bar. Because it's a stressful time. And he yada, yada, yadas over the best part of the story. Like, he makes us feel in hella gaps here. He says, I went to the bar. There was an attractive lady there. Yep. And B impl- assumes she went back to your place. I jumped on a plane with a bag full of cash. And then what happened? I was antsy, so I went to a bar. I met this woman there. And she was a real looker. They wanted to kick on when the bar closed. You took her back to your hotel room? A few things happened I'm not proud of. Long story short, I lost every cent. Yada, yada, yada. Long story short, the money was gone. <laughs> so, oh, there's well, obviously a lot of cocaine involved as well. <laughs> no yeah. one's remembering the whole no, story. That's does, the problem. Does anyone know what Andrea was doing at that moment in time? Yeah. Sounds like she's got form for mm. men in hotel rooms. What has gone on here? So he's paid for this lady's services, I assume. Too Whatever. much. He's paid too yeah. much. He's gone on several benders and then he's like, oh, well, see you later, Bob. And so he shuffles off back to Australia. That's one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. It's in terms of the shitty dad stakes, and Neighbours is pretty good at having shitty dads. Yeah. That is a pretty shitty thing to do. Wow. But as you said, there's no government assistance here. No, That's outrageous. What, what year was it? So yeah. Who was in power? Would have been oh, the John Howard era. Yeah. He yeah, would have cared. Been. But it would have been on the news. There would have been some do-gooder. He's that... like, no, nah, no, nah, weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. It would have been like all buried under that. And yeah. So he's 19 and how old How old is like Allie? They're like all 34, right? I'd say. Getting towards there. Yeah. I want to know what, yeah, what is Ellie's Millsy, character I reckon it would like? be like mid to like maybe 36. I reckon he'd be a bit older than Can, that. Do you yeah. know what Ellie's character note says? Or is it nebulous? <laughs> Ellie's character note? Uh, no, I don't. Drinks too much. Yeah, I think they're yeah, mm. fond of a wine or tea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I love it. So then Ellie's like, you cannot tell this story to your son. You can. You shouldn't tell this story ever again, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> tell everyone you couldn't get the money together and you desperately wanted him back. Because, yeah, no one asked him. No, no, he needed, no one said, hey, I saw you in Colombia. Why didn't you bring your son back? Things like, where's my car? We eventually get back. 
Oh, your dad sold it to pay a ransom. Hang on, what? <laughs> why, why was I there still getting yeah. tortured? So he's had this chat with Finn. I forgot what they even what did they even talk about. I don't oh, know. like you no. know who won the flag in '95 <laughs> or something. Good year for the bombers. Yeah. Um, no, and no, then no, that was Carlton. Then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just basically said, "Sorry, I was having a bad time. Sorry, I couldn't help you." Yeah. hope you're okay now. He's like, no, I was in a coma. Why didn't you come see me? I was off the wagon again. I'm in AA now. Yeah, yeah. He had his six-month coin. That he gave to Millsy. And mm. then Millsy then found out this story. So six months ago, was that Millsy in coma? It would have been, surely. Yeah, because that's what, that's what makes you sober, yeah. right? My son's in a coma. Yeah. I'm going to get myself together. Yeah. He's you know, a murderous villain, I've got to get myself together to come and talk to him about it. But then Ellie and B tell, he finds out because he overhears them and then he goes and piffs the coin over the fence. He doesn't want a bar of his dad. Who can blame him? In then amongst this. Oh, yeah. Ellie has realised that she needs some more mentors in her baby's life aside from the baby's uncle and aunt. So she's asked the uncle and aunt to be <laughs> Aster's lighthouse. Yeah, double duty. I just I just love her so much because she's read this on a mummy blog <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to have a lighthouse. And I love that she picks the uncle and aunt. She is so basic. I love her so much. She I'm could go, oh, her. maybe, you know, Dr. Necker, he's like a good role model for. No. Yeah, no. You don't want him because you tried to steal the baby. And maybe Therese. Therese's, you know, she's. Or Chloe. Aunties. Could have had Dr. Necker and Chloe. Auntie Sue's. I don't know about Chloe. You yeah. know how you're not meant to have an ex at a wedding? I don't think you're meant to make your baby's lighthouse someone. Because <laughs> well, she's, she's having, obviously she's not having a christening, so she's going to have a naming day. But that's yeah. totally her. That is her totally tea, her. that she's like, well, I've got to get attention somehow yeah. and this is going to be it. And I'm, my wedding was a balls up, so this is what we're going to do. Also, I feel, I'm sorry, I forgot who mentioned this online. Someone suggested, her name's Asta, why not have someone be her guiding star? That's, that's not bad. It wasn't on Mamma Mia that way. <laughs> <laughs> And that's essentially... Oh, hang on. No, 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 no. We've had a um, heritage character come back. Oh, of course, yes. Jane, which is always lovely to see her beautiful mm. face. Very questionable because wasn't she ch- playing Jane's super brain? What happened to that brain, Kate? She had to look after her grandmother for too many years. She got a bit of care of brain, I think, at that point. Like, she wasn't supported enough looking after Mrs. Mangle, and now she's a little bit gullible. And what's she gone and done? She's given away a lot of money to a catfish. She showed Dippy the photo of said catfish, and it turns out it was... Well, Liz can tell us. It's Jason Herbison, executive producer of the show. <laughs> or as, or as um, Dippy described him, oh, he's just a male model. <laughs> he's, he's a stock photography model. Uh, I, did, I did send, because uh, I was watching it sort of last night, and I did send Jason a text, because I, sort of, I only sort of caught a glimpse out of my eye, going, that looked like Jason, so I had to send him a text. Was that you? He's like, yes. <laughs> star is born because right. that must be very selective because you'd want to place yourself at any sort of moment i wonder what tipped him over the edge to take that moment i would say the reason he featured in there because didn't have to pay him yes we're not we're not um getting you know, getting on to shutterstock today <laughs> i think that's exactly uh and or just a bit of fun yeah. too. but i'd say those two a two-pronged approach there of that decision I feel terrible for her. My husband posted on the council the list of scams that have happened this year. Jane's not alone. No. This is a hot issue in Australia. Romance scams. He listed a lot of um, web platforms. Yeah, and that there was 38 people that had been scanned on Words with Friends. (laughs) 
No one is safe. No one. That's probably actually, that makes perfect sense for Jane. Super yeah. brain. Mm-hmm. She's playing a bit of words with friends. She's the 38th. Richard drops in. Like, can, we, can we just send out some thoughts and prayers and just hope that she didn't sell her Mrs. Mangle portrait? Mm. Well, she might have to now, though. She's broke. Paul's just going to give her money, right? He's oh. running out of money. I'm very worried. He only had $12 million. Yeah, this is the problem with money, like revealing exactly. figures. Yeah. How beautiful, though, that Paul and Tarage and his ex, Jane, are just harmoniously friends now. That's nice. Yeah. Appreciate that. And Jane called her the love of his life, Therese. Yeah, and that's a, that, But that was at the point when she thought she had a new love of her life. Oh, yeah. oh no. You can be gracious when you're in love yeah. with someone else. It's very insulting to Lynn Scully as well. Like, what it just really shits on that relationship. Everything does, <laughs> always. Because then, CJ, on Friday, what happens is Jane got a job at Erinsborough High because Susan's like, you were all right last time, weren't you? We didn't have any problems. Yeah, come back. Come on back. She's teaching year sevens and then she cracks the shits because it's Valentine's Day and they're writing each other Valentine's cards. But Susan made them put poetry in there. She has a valid point. (laughs) What the hell? It's not a like bloody craft session. They're here to learn things. They're writing poems. Bit of an acrostic, Mm. I reckon. Life skills. Also, this is where, having been a teacher briefly, this is when I, like she just walked into that job straight away. I Mm. I thought... Just, you know, sitting back watching, I'm going, she could have at least just come in as an emergency teacher, not suddenly, because there's quite a rigmarole you have to go through to be a high school teacher. Not just an interview in the hallway of just, oh, yeah, you're free. It's usually a a big panel. Susan didn't even know they had a meeting. No, that's that's right. But you could could take on an emergency teacher like that very quickly. That would be almost Another dark day for Erinsborough High. Yeah. <laughs> At any other school, that's how it would play out. But talking about a teaching emergency teacher agency would just reveal even further why Ali, another job that Ali should have. <laughs> I, did, I did quite enjoy that it was essentially Ali's job that she stepped into. She's like, isn't there a humanities position? <laughs> sure. What was, what was Ali doing in the bloody school? You'd think that she wouldn't have permission to be on the grounds. Oh, it's like my dad rolling up when I, during lunchtime to give me cash. I'm like, Dad, you've got to sign into the office, mate. Sometimes family members just waltz on in. Well, Carl was there last week yeah. just asking random students where Susan was in the hallway. So, you know, what's different, hey? So that's the week. The big cliffhanger is we finish with Superbrain rifling through Susan's filing cabinet. Susan, I've just realised, has this Mr. Belding on Saved by the Bell principal's office that's right off of the main thoroughfare, the main hallway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My principal at my high school was like off the foyer that was at reception that students really weren't meant yeah. to go to. And yeah. then it was in a hallway off that yeah, foyer. Yeah, you had to go looking for the Minotaur to find the principal. Like not just, okay, I'll stroll in. So she's up to something. I don't know what, but she hasn't gone to the cops yet about the catfishing. She still holds hope that she, that, that spark was real. Okay. And Richard's a bit of a toy boy. Jason would be a little bit younger than Annie Jones. She probably got, got yeah, some. Just, yeah, marginally. <laughs> the photo might be a little bit <laughs> younger than. Sorry, Jason, but I, I have a hunch it's an older photo. Well, Jane was very pleased with herself. Let's say that. So that's what the cliffhanger. What we do at this point is we award Citizen or Citizen of the Week. So, Liz, you can be kind to someone because their citizen is available for you to choose from. Well, well, I think it's a dual citizen and citizen oh. with Carl Kennedy. Bit citizen for his Mrs. Mangle nosy neighbour, but also being a good catalyst and, uh, you know, bringing Dippy and Shane back together. So I think you can be both things. And also known as ending the <laughs> t- most painful marital dispute I've seen in a while. Sending the dog to the farm. <laughs> 
I need to do shitizen to old mate Trent, Papa Millsy. You can't muck around with your ransom. I'm sorry, mate. Take a friend. Find, reach out to someone in Colombia to help you. Ooh, I just realised. Jane, Trent, they're a match made in heaven. Let's find her someone better. <laughs> we? De- she likes this type. <laughs> but De- Des is coming back. Surely that's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. CJ? I'm going to go with Shittison for B because I'm annoyed by her all the time. But this week her boyfriend said, I'm not emotionally ready to meet my dad. So she went, okay, cool. And then just texted him straight yeah. away. That's ridiculous. I decide what you're emotionally ready for. I'm the girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, which I mean, look, I'm there for because I'm sure I've done something like that. <laughs> but B, do something more interesting for me, please. Kate. I'm going to give a citizen this week and it's to Shane for reconciling with his wife. Going the hard yards, getting his old Akubra out and hitting a bit of the man from Ironbark and Digging up props, which are probably under the house, which is a tedious task. That's some effort. Any other questions? for Liz? Do you, Have you got some juicy stuff you're cooking up? No juicy stuff. Well, you know, there's always juicy stuff too. But I would would like to take this opportunity to say thank you to you guys because I love what you do and I love what all the dedicated fans out there do with on Facebook pages and groups and I can't speak for all the writers, but I personally love, (laughs) um, you know, tuning in to see what's being discussed. It's a great way of getting story feedback, good, bad and indifferent. More um, light bulbs, more light bulb chat. Yeah, and I personally love it. And it's a great way to interact with your audience. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Has there ever been anything we highlighted and and you were thinking, oh, I did that? Uh, I made that happen. Yeah, quite often. And sometimes <laughs> I, and, you know, occasionally I may have, especially on things like Art of Neighbours when that first started up, I remember deliberately putting in scripts going, I reckon this could get an artwork out of this. <laughs> and quite often I was right. So, well, The Art of Neighbours is another sterling Facebook group as well. Give it a join. Thank you so much, Liz. Oh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's just lovely um, to talk to people who love the show. So it's always, yeah appreciated and we are going to work on our 35th anniversary project yeah that's what we're going to do May's going to crack that whip the stock whip yeah i'll borrow it off shane yep (laughs) it's going to be great (laughs) cj at cj the hot mess mum on instagram and happy birthday for last week oh thank you thank you (laughs) kate i'm at remude on twitter I'm Vaya Pashas on Twitter and we are neighborspod.com neighbors council on facebook or just neighbors punch it in subscribe and like and don't forget to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. Patreon.com slash NeighboursPod for Buddy Watch new episode. We will chat next week. There's some returning characters next week, gals. I've had a little look at who's coming up. It's going to be a cracker week. I can't wait. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. And can you tell me, doctor, why I still can't get to sleep? And night times just a jungle dark and a parking M16. And what's this rash that comes and goes? Can you tell me what it means? God help me. I was only 19.